Blog Talk Radio. to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Indominesh, Indomina, Hetetku, Nangadef, Majwo, Habaragani, Salbona, Anisogoma, War. Pan-African Greetings family, this is Kamal McCasey Dehudi, and you have entered Africa's reascension. Um, we'll open as we usually do with an apae or a libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods and our African spirit forces and forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. Ago, 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 Odumakuma, Inyame, Inyamewa, Treaty Upon, Olorun. Ma'at, Jehuti, Amen-Ra, Beje-Ensa, Asasaya-Ensa, Abasun-Ensa, Abasun-Po-Ensa, Nana Sergibi-Ensa, Nana Efeketewa-Ensa, Nana Dadakofi-Ensa, Nana Tigere, Nana Tigere, Nana Tigere-Ensa, Nana Kumi-Ensa, Kwekufri-Ensa, Akonadi-Abena-Ensa, Asubontinensa, Bocherewansa, Tamensansa, Shango, 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 Insa, Oya, Insa, Oshun, Insa, Asar, Insa, Heru Kahuti, Insa, Nananom Insamanfo, Insa, Insamanfo Abasuafau, Insa, Abasun, Abasuafau, Insa, Yeshremo Yansa, Yeshremo Ahoden, Yeshremo Enchera, Yeshremo Sikapa, Yeshremo Enkwaso, Yeshremo Enkwaso Abasuafau, Ye Enkwaso. I ask you, Odomakuman, Enyame, Enyamewa, Treaty Upon, Olorun, Obatala, to use me in this form to impart clarity and cultural consistency to all within the sound of my voice. May I speak directly to their soon soon, their spirit, and reawaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside them. Medasi pa, medasi bio, mo piafo, mo ne casa, medasi nanano, yo medasi nanano. The apai, or libation, is an ancient practice that is still done to this day in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one as those of tomorrow 
look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. All right, this is Kamal Mukesi Dehudi. Again, welcome everyone to Africa's Reascension. Oh, wow, got a nice nice group of folks in the chat room, Madassi, Madassi. The call number is in as well, 760-454-1111, Oh, man, I'm trying not to do it, but I think I am. I, I, I love her lip show, <laughs> but, man, sometimes it's it's stressful to listen to some of the stuff that be going on in the chat room and then come immediately right in to do my show. And I ain't going to mention folks directly by name. One day I may have to, but not right now. Um It's good that 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 Clip and other folks are doing shows like like today the the, the 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 job show and what's really going on with job creation and throwing out the um, question again of vision what's an African vision because in 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 my opinion more and more folks who we think are on our side are being exposed and are being outed by shows and questions like what is the African vision and and, and when 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 can't produce jobs for themselves, um what's that what what will we have to do to make sure we'll still be living? Because when 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 it comes out of motherfuckers' mouths that basically this this ain't what was actually said in the chat, but when they basically are saying the only way to survive in this reality since it's ran by white folks is to be like white folks, you have just told me you are not on my side because my side is we are looking to re-understand what our African reality is and then revive it for the present time that we're in. That's completely different from, oh, well, I don't know what spirituality is. Spirituality is paying the bills, so I got to do what's going on in this society right now. No one else is doing that. To su- Let me rephrase that. No one who wants to succeed for centuries down the line is doing that. Folks who don't know who they are feel that the best way to succeed is to do what Cargozoids are doing. But, again, a magazine that folks really should get or or at least check out, because it helps inspire me at times, is called um, Cultural Survival Quarterly. It's put together by Cognizoids. I, I, I don't give a damn about that. But what the magazine does is, is, is Cognizoids and other folks and other folks who are going around the world and who are championing indigenous rights and who are giving a voice to people all over the world who are fighting against Caucasoid incursions to maintain their way, whether it's through the arts, whether it's through um, literature, whether it's through regaining language, whether it's through fighting to keep their spiritual stuff intact. This magazine is showing that people all over the world are basically having the same type of discussions that Africa's Reascension is having, that Holicism Show is having. How can we regain our culture to move forward? How can we pass on our culture to our children? 
in, in, in this magazine, they are not talking about we need to throw away that shit because it's of the past and it's not going to work and we just need to deal with what's going on right now. No, 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 no. All over the world, everyone is having the same discussion. But we got some people who are trying to play like they, they want to do this African thing and play like they're talking about some pro-black stuff. But then when you really listen to them, when you really start asking some key questions, like, what's the vision, brother? What do you want for your kids? Then they're going to say some shit like, oh, I don't know what spirituality is. Spirituality is paying my bit. That's, and, and, and then other folks who are keep getting on the piece on let's move away. What is Africa? What is this Africa stuff? Let, 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 let's leave that alone and, and, and the religion piece. And if, if you just bring up the question of religion, isn't that being divisive? Every traditional group of people on the planet right now at this time are all questioning the European incursions on their lives. Everybody. And, and this magazine, again, Cultural Survivor Quarterly, is 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 it, for me it help it it, it get because you know you get caught up in all the 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 two hundred fifty channels and the internet and all this other stuff and you can really think that wow Caucasoid way is the way to go it's the only way it's the end of history like that one food that Mister Susa said there's nothing else that can be accomplished and and if you don't have other outlets that are challenging this reality you can get swept right up in this motherfucker. And and we got folks who are claiming to be in on our side who at the end of the day want to be black skinned white folks. And so I love Holipsism show. <laughs> I, 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 and folks say they love my show because and and, and, and Queenie Farmer's show <laughs> and Ambassador Sar's show and, and Brother Omachi's show. Folks love our shows because we are challenging. Viciously, this 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 Caucasian society from all different angles. Me and Amachi hitting the the, the spiritual side, Ambassador Star hitting the health side, and he has some shows dealing with the spiritual piece. Brother Holip is hitting it from all different angles: economy, politics, spirituality. All that we are all Queenie Farmer just hitting some raw common sense stuff, <laughs> some raw dog common sense African stuff. And 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 so all of these shows are coalescing, basically saying the same thing. Are we in lock, and we are all lock stock with the rest of the traditional people on the planet right now as we speak, walking tandem, hand in hand, arm in arm, saying we are rejecting this white man's ways. The solutions, whatever they be, we're going to figure them out, but the solutions are in our culture and in looking at our experience and our reality, especially before we got caught up in this Caucasoid stuff, and that's the way we're going to move forward. Sankofa, it is not taboo to look to your past for future-based solutions. And again, folks are being exposed and outed. My debate that I had on Holipsism show outed one person, and and, and and chat discussions over the past few months within um, Mr. Holipsism's chat room has been exposing other people. 
And I hope I'm not the only one that's seeing this exposure. I hope other people are noticing it too. Our culture, our experience, our reality, our African gods and spirit forces will be what gets us out of this mess. And anybody, black, white, blue, green, or yellow, anybody that's saying something different from that, we really need to either move away from them or check them because they are slowing up our progress. They are fucking up the message that we are trying to pass on to other folks and and to the children, and they will keep us in this Caucasoid quagmire, even though they look like us and they on the surface say some things that sound like what we talk about. But when you question them, when you dig a little bit more, you find out they just want to be black-skinned white people, point blank. So (laughs) tonight we're just going to basically do a summary um, of our resistance lecture series um, that we did over the past few months. For anyone that hasn't... um, heard the, the, the lecture series, please check them out. Please check it out. Um, those are some powerful shows because the, the legacy of resistance, again, <laughs> it goes back to, to what I said earlier. We are supposed to be resisting this beast, <laughs> not, oh, well, this is a Caucasian society, so we got to be Caucasian if we want to succeed. No, resisting the beast to get out of the beast mess. So yeah, we'll do a quick summary And I have one news item that's interesting (laughs) I got a different take on it probably than other folks And then um, I've got a few books A few um, good books Over the past month, month and a half And I just want to share, you know, at least the titles Maybe a little bit from them um, possibly, you know, y'all might want to add them to y'all libraries too. So that's that's what we're going to do tonight. But first, play a promo, play some music, and then move into summary of our resistance lecture series. Welcome to the desert of the real. Peace, family. This is your brother, Hollow, aka Mr. Holipsis. A.K.A. The Buzzkiller. Tune in to Holipsism's Haven every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we discuss the social, economic, and political issues of the day with a common-sense approach, an African-centered perspective, and a universal sensibility. Call in number 347-843-4874. That's 347-843-4874. Check out related YouTube videos, blogs, and show archives. Visit www.holipsism.com. That's www.holipsism.com. I'm making it hard to get your Negro on. Hotep, Black Power. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. is that the reason why our ritual practices have been denigrated is not because they're not functional. It's not because they're not necessary. It's because Europeans understood 
the whites and their offspring understood that if we continued to practice our culture, that's when we always overthrew them anytime they invaded our country. For thousands of years, they have been invading the countries. It took them thousands of years to figure out, going back to 6,000 years ago, it took them thousands of years to figure out that they couldn't just invade one of our countries and remain as occupiers perpetually. We would always expel them eventually. So what they finally realized and began a process of implementing in a big way during the Greek invasion was to begin to corrupt the religious practices and to outlaw religious practices. And once they outlawed as many things as they could and murdered as many people as they could and began to corrupt what was left, the ritual practices were denigrated, and we still continue to denigrate those practices today to understand that the reason why our ritual practices have been denigrated is not because they're not functional. It's not because they're not necessary. It's because Europeans understood, the whites and their offspring understood, that if we continue to practice our culture, that's when we always overthrew them anytime they invaded our country. For thousands of years, they have been invading the countries. It took them thousands of years to figure out, going back to 6,000 years ago, it took them thousands of years to figure out that they couldn't just invade one of our countries and remain as occupiers perpetually. We would always expel them eventually. So what they finally realized and began a process of implementing in a big way during the Greek invasion was to begin to corrupt the religious practices and to outlaw religious practices. And once they outlawed as many things as they could and murdered as many people as they could and began to corrupt what was left, the ritual practices were denigrated, and we still continue to denigrate those practices today out of ignorance, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, we're back. Now, again, let's not forget this will probably, unless something changes, be the last two-hour show that Africa's Reascension will have. Um, you know, blog talk is changing, and everyone that hasn't done the premium will be thrown to 30 minutes and three um Uploads, three, 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 um, yeah, three file uploads. And so that's going to change dynamics across the board for a lot of people. So we're going to have to see how that works out. And I don't even know if it's just 30 minutes and that's it or if it will be 30 minutes, you know, where you can hear it on the computer and on the phone and then maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour just only on the phone? I, w I don't know yet. Uh, we'll all find that out um, next week because February 1st is when they're making the change. And so we will go ahead and use all two of the hours today. So for anyone who wants to uh, make sure they be a part of the entire discussion, 760 um, again, Madassi the Queen, Ifama, she put in the uh, a link to 
um, the Cultural Survival Quarterly magazine. Um, <clears throat> so, so for anyone that's interested, you know, uh, wherever you at, you know, check out the Barnes and Nobles, check out the Borders, you know, check out an issue there, see what's going on, and then see if you want to subscribe to it. Um, I'll probably go ahead and subscribe to it. I hate, you know, helping out Cuckoo's <laughs> if I don't have to. But again, if 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 some real information is in it that I can use, not only for inspiration but also to help my own people, then screw it. I can pay them, you know, six, seven, ten bucks, you know, for the issue, and then pass the information on so then we can use it. If for nothing else, again, inspiration, but then also. You know, seeing what, again, seeing what other folks around the world are going through, this language piece and and and, and, and this, this folks preserving their language. We're not doing one that's doing that. You know, I know a lot of folks who are learning Shui. And also, yes, um, at abibitumikasa.com, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I-K-A-S-A.com. Uh, the brother in February, he he is a um, multi multilingual master. He has um, relearned Chui, um, Yoruba, and Wolof. He will be offering all of his language classes during the month of February half off. So they're usually about two hundred bucks. So throughout February, they're all a hundred dollars. Um, and and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, natural speaking, Chui people from Ghana, when they hear this brother speak, they they constantly give him praises. And he's so he's so bad that you know he'll say something in Chui and then stop and then give you the translation in English and then keep going back and forth, back and forth like that. He's taught dozens and dozens of people, and need to check out his his website. That is, they've been up for about five years, and it is definitely one of the most completely unapologetically African centered websites that is on this internet. And so I'll spell it again, but I'll also put it in the chat room. Um www.abibitumikasa.com, abibitumikasa.com. You want to help out this brother and his family, um, it's um, Obadale Kambon, and um, he's the son of Mawia Kambon and Kamal Kambon. And some of y'all may know Kamal Kambon for his um, the problem on the planet is white folks uh, since they trying to exterminate us, we need to exterminate them. That's his that's his daddy, <laughs> and 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 so you have a a committed African centered family who who has put together this website. And and they they are taking folks you know back to the continent as far as tours and they 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 are you know in the community they're up in North Carolina doing some good stuff and and they travel and do other stuff and so that's a powerful family so I got it in the chat room abibitumikasa dot com if you want to um, relearn Shui. Yoruba or Wolof. They also they have someone else that uh, also teaches the Meta Nature. Uh, 
and they, they have other classes there as well. Renoka Rashidi has a class that he does on the website um, for a small fee. Mwalimu Barudi has some social sciences classes that he does there, so you got to check this out. And so I bring that up to say that you have folks over here who are relearning our languages and understanding the importance of that. You also have, again, that's moving lock, stock with, lock, stock with, other traditional folks all throughout the planet that's saying it's okay, you know, to at least know the, this Caucasoid language, you know, so you can maneuver and stuff. But we also must learn ours. We cannot let ours die because if we let ours die, then a piece of us dies and a piece of our specificity dies. A piece of our unique contribution to the world dies with our language. So we have to revive them and we have to pass them on. To to the children, and so cultural survival quarterly shares that that dynamic and that experience. And then, like I said, you get a lot of different stories all over the world from traditional folks. And and sometimes it's frustrating, you know, seeing what fool ass governments are doing, taking folks' land, um, taking folks, you know, traditional land to build stuff, and how they're fighting against it. Uh, but there's also stories of inspiration there and, and, and things that are being done to, to keep folks' culture alive. And so, yeah. So, Resistance Lecture Series. Over the past, shoot, I don't know, man, is it five, six weeks? <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yeah, Queen, if I'm, I'm sorry, I'm reading in the chat room. I mean, get, getting the language again is is good for for the individual piece and then for the family piece. It may take a while for us to be able to find more <laughs> folks that speak Tweed, that speak Yoruba, that speak Wolof, that we can, you know, communicate to on a wider level. But if we're doing the job of at least passing it on to our children, if we're doing the job of, you know, trying to slip words here and there with other folks that we know, then, you know, that's that's where we can go with it, at least for this time being, um, and then move forward as we go. I mean, Holith has said it, and other folks have said it too. We, us, our, our network, if you will, we are probably five, six, seven generations ahead. I, I, I. I just have to admit that <laughs> we are ahead right now. We're still stuck in the identity piece, and and that's a damn shame. But right now, where we are, again, and, and Queen, you 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 uh, mentioned it so eloquently in Holipsism show. You got folks all divided with the don't want to be African and the whole black and the whole nigga. So we still have to fortify our identity piece. That's where we are right now as far as the majority of us. Sure, sure, no problem. <laughs> no problem, Queen. That That's where the majority of us are right now, that identity piece. So for those of us that are talking African nation building, those of us that are talking the, 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 the language piece, the, the African spirituality piece, raw, uncut, unsyncretized, we are ahead of the game. And, you know, we just have to make sure we don't get so far ahead of the game that we still can't connect with everyone else. But we do also have to take up that role as visionary. We do also have to, as Amos Wilson said, 
be able to step outside of that present reality and start conceiving of the future that we want to create and then work and do, do the work to create that future. And that work is not for everyone. It's not going to be for everyone. And so for those of us who, who, who are, who, who do feel this call and, and, and who do, you know, take that push to be doing something different and something deeper, then it's going to fall on us to do that. We're going to have to be the ones to do that. And like I put up in Holipsis and chat room, the folks, the self-avowed African-centered folks, those who call ourselves that, we don't have a problem with that, we understand what that means, it's up to us to come to a consensus and then figure out a plan of action and then move forward with that. And then from those good works, ideally, the others will follow. But if we try to wait around, and I did shows on this, <laughs> if we try to wait around to get everybody all on the same page, we will get no work done. Every major movement that I've ever seen, it was a small vanguard group that, that moved forward, did some stuff, and that's how they got the, the, the larger numbers that we, you know, now talk about and praise. So the Resistance Lecture Series, um, over the past, I guess, five, six weeks, we went through three phases of resistance. On the ho Phase one was on the home front. Phase two was on the enslavement ships. And then phase three was on foreign soil. So for, so, so the best, the main book that we used for the resistance phase one on the home front was um, Sylvain Jost's edited book, um, Fighting the Slave Trade, West African Strategies. Um, and she walks through about 12 chapters breaking down the offensive strategies, the defensive strategies, and the protective strategies that we use on the continent, in Africa, to attempt to stop and or slow down the 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 the, the, the Maafa on land. And that's a part of the story that I swear, folks, I've been, family, I've been doing this for about 16, 17 years, dedicated, consistent, and that is a part of the story that no one talks about. What we were doing on the continent to stop Caucasoid and Caucasoid helpers from stealing family members, from stealing village members, from stuff like that. We don't hear that. They just came. They overwhelmed us. We helped. That's what we hear. Oh, we helped so much. And, and 95, what, what, what's that fool ass gate say? 90% of everyone that got shipped out of Africa was because of, of African help. God, I swear if I see him, I want to kick him in his head. The, the the main way to retort that is if the demand isn't there, if the forts built weren't built, if the transportation mechanism wasn't built, then I don't care how many sellouts you have, the Maafa would not have happened. If Cogazoids didn't create the demand, build the ships, build the forts, 
build the auction blocks, do all of that. If that doesn't happen, then there would be no one to help because there'd be nothing to help for. So we can never, ever, ever take our eye off of the main perpetrator of the Mahasa, which is Kagazoid. We can and we do have a duty to find out who helped, individuals, societies, whatever, and then we can address them, you know, that way. And Benin is already, I think, since 2000, maybe a little bit beforehand, they have been doing an annual ritual. I think it's called the WIDA, W-Y-D-A-H, don't quote me on that, but in Benin they have been doing an annual ritual to apologize for their role in the Maafa. Because before it was Benin, it was called the Oyo, the Oyo Kingdom, and 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 the Oyo Kingdom was a a major enslavement helper of the Caucasoid. But now, with more information and and probably with the ancestors and the spirits beating their asses up, the the, the government and 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 you know more people within the population in Benin has noticed what they noticed the wrong and they yearly now do a, a, a healing and a cleansing ritual to apologize for their role. And so other folks you do that too. I know Ghana, I don't know if they do an annual one, but I know they did they they did a ritual for cleansing a few years ago as well. And so we have to know who helped because there was help. But we get sidetracked deliberately by Caucasoids <laughs> and Caucasoid minions like Skip Gates by creating the, the Ma'afa discussion being solely, solely, 100% censored on, well, you know, we help sell ourselves in the slavery. And I was just telling somebody this last night, when it comes to our slavery, when it comes to our enslavement, the first thing that trickles out of people's mouths is that y'all help sell yourselves into slavery, which is true, but not to the degree that folks want to make it out to be. But when you talk about the Holocaust, that's not the first thing that comes out of people's mouths. But I have two books. <laughs> And, and I don't know if I want to waste the whole show just talking about Jews or, or, or honorary Caucasoids. But I got two books by, by a Caucasoid actually named Brian Rigg. And, and one of the titles is um, Hitler's Jewish Soldiers. This ain't conspiracy theory. This is all in the documentation. You just got to know where to look and, and how to find it. But there were Jews that helped get other Jews into the gas chambers. While while reading through parts of the book, something that grabbed me was that there was actually a few Jews that owned and ran concentration camps. So now, again, not a lot, and not all the Jews did that, but there were some that did that. But how it's very interesting that that never gets brought up when you talk about the Holocaust. But just how it wasn't every one of us that helped sell ourselves into slavery, we always want to have that be the first shit to come out of our mouth. So I got my ammo. <laughs> I got those two books. 
that that's very detailed. He he went and dug up, you know, old records and folks that were still alive. He talked to them and was like, why'd you do that? And weren't you, didn't you know you were harming your own people and all that sort of stuff? So he's got, you know, documentation. He's got confessions. He's got all that sort of stuff. So it ain't a conspiracy theory type book and nothing like that. This is actual provable, documentable stuff. So 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 no one will ever slide by me. Talking about that Oh y'all sold yourselves in the No Say that about the Jews And if you're not Going to say that about them And they're You know Little six seven year old thing Don't say that shit about me And And, and Our 400 year endeavors I'm sorry I got off I got sidetracked So <laughs> So yeah Fighting the slave trade West Africa strategies um, <clears throat> Twelve chapters Walk through The The protective strategies That we did As far as Um Actually fighting, fighting Parkazoids back, and fighting the, the 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 fools that they paid off to help come into the village and raid, um, raid us. It, 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 that's talked about in the um, articles in here. Fighting the slave trade. They have defensive strategies where folks would actually wholesale get up and move to um, less attainable areas in the region, and then they would refortify the area. And some places only have one way of entrance and egress, and maybe they would have two, and they would booby trap one. And so all folks that knew, you know, would use the other one. And then when folks would try to come and um, enslave them and stuff, or do some crazy stuff, raid their village, you know, they fall by way of the booby traps. And so you had defensive strategies all throughout West Africa at that time to um, prevent stuff. Um, from happening, I even read one thing where there was a particular group that laid out poison food along the trail to their village because it was a harrowing walk to get from where this one invading group was going to them. And so, you know, they would get tired and they would eat some of the food there and, and they would be down by the multitude. And so eventually um, that invading group just left those people alone because <laughs> – their numbers were dying too much because they they fell for the trap of, of the poison food and stuff, and so and so again we don't hear any of that. And then there was the protective strategies. There was two chapters on that, and we don't want to go that route again. The protective strategies quickly was one person would get taken, and so they would try to um, um, ask to send two or three in that plate in their place and send that one person back to the village. And, and of course, that didn't work. Caucasians uh, ended up getting four for the price of one, usually most of the time that way. And uh, But, again, folks, you know, we can use hindsight to be like, okay, that was a bad strategy. But, you know, again, we were, we, we were finding, attempting to create ways to fight or to protect ourselves on all fronts from the slave trade while it was from the Maafa while it was going on. And we don't hear that part of the story. And so <laughs> for folks that want that information, again, download those those um shows about phase one on the home front and then check out the book Fighting the Slave Trade, West African Strategies by um Sylvain Gioff D I O U F. And and each each um, chapter, you know, has its notes and its bibliography, and they have other good sources 
of information, again, that shows different ways that we were fighting in Africa so that our loved ones would not be enslaved. And then we had um, one show on, um, on phase two on the slave. Oh, I'm sorry, Jesse, which was that to me? Which link? Or was that to Queen again? Um, I'll at least put the um, title of the book in the chat room, Fighting the Slave Trade. Sylvain Joe D-I-O-U-F You want to get that book So then in phase two On the enslavement ships I came across a magnificent book Called If We Must Die And it was basically um, Again a white boy He went through um, 493 Shipboard revolts And again that's Outside of Amistad <laughs> and there's specific reasons why we know about Amistad and we address those. But outside of Amistad, we don't hear anything about us fighting on the actual enslavement ships. And so during that particular show, I brought up um, one of the the one of the major, if not the major, success story of um, the enslavement ship revolts was a ship called the Marlboro, in which the entire Enslaved African crew um, rose up, took over the ship, killed all but three of the Caucasoids there. They kept the captain so he could um, sail the ship back to the Boney Islands, which is now, you know, the, um, well, what they call it, the Gold Coast. But um, I think it's like Upper Volta and, and, and Guinea, Cote d'Ivoire, that area. Um, Turned the ship back around, took it back to Africa, and now unfortunately they had a little bit of infighting, and then they had to fight another ship that saw them too. But in the end, <laughs> they they were able to lower lower ship down in the water, lower the anchor, and the majority of that crew, you know, that survived all that extra turmoil, set their feet back on their home soil, and went back home. And so we only hear about the Amistad because white folks helped us out in that. But we don't hear about the Marlboro, which was 100% African. <laughs> we revolted, and we took the ship back over, and we went back home. Where's the movie on that? <laughs> Where's the full-length feature documentary on that? Amistad is cool, I ain't hating on that, you know, whatever, whatnot. But that wasn't, you know, complete African liberation there. The the the, the story of the Marlboro is. And that's the story we need to be singing to our children. And so that's what we discussed in um phase two um on the enslavement ship. So I'll put that book in there too. If we must die, and I think that was by a Caucasoid named Robert Taylor, I think. But I know the book was If We Must Die. Yeah, there we go. About about the shipboard revolts. 493 of them. We only heard about the Armstrong. Anyway, and then the last two that we did within our uprising, <clears throat> excuse me, our resistance lecture series was uh, 
American Uprising, an untold story of America's largest slave revolt by Daniel Rasmussen. We had a whole show on that one. And then we talked um, about the, the, the Maroon Societies, Rebel Slave Communities in the Americas by Richard Price. Um, so American Uprising briefly talked about what we, for three days, we attempted to revolt and take over New Orleans. And enslaved Africans rose up with, um, you know, axes and canes and some guns and folks dressed up in military uniforms and got on horses. And between 200 and 500 of us burned down plantations, killed Caucasoids, and and their chan- one of their chants was on to New Orleans. They was about to take over the city. Seven years earlier, oh, I'm sorry, that had happened January 8th, 1811, or January 8th to 11, 1811, and for those of us that know our history, that was just seven short years after um, the the successful Haitian revolt, and so that story did um, make its way to New Orleans, and that was one of the main impetuses for them to go ahead and move forward. Um, there were some other factors as well, but they did here. I mean, the story of, of the successful Haitian Revolution traveled all over the black world, during the African world during that time. And, and so a lot of folks were inspired and moved by that. And so the folks there in New Orleans was like, hey, okay, you know, everyone else that had tried to revolt New Orleans had died, but we were inspired by this success. Uh, we've got this and this and this. To our advantage, and I shared what some of those advantages were, we're going to go forward. Unfortunately, January 11th, you know, it got it got squelched, and, and it did not succeed. But again, the names of um, Charles DeLone, Harry Kenner, Kwaku, and Kwamina, those should be some resistance names. Those should be some names that we add when we call out Names of our national ancestors within our libations, because and and, and I would probably do a show just on ancestors, because the, the 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 energy that we call upon now are mainly I'm gonna say it are mainly uh, no I ain't gonna say it that way are mainly reform. Ancestor energy The names that we usually Call upon are, are, are Africans who fought For reform of America Or reform of stuff But we don't Usually unfortunately Call upon Energies of those That resisted of those that Fought back so we can get those Energies to help invite us and move Us forward and so that may be one spiritual reason why we're still stuck in the place that we're at now is because we're not calling on Bukman. We're not calling on um, 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 <sighs> Mackendall. Thank you. We're, we're, we're not calling on, um, again, these four that I mentioned, those four were the uh, were four of the main um Leaders of the uh, New Orleans Revolt We're not calling on those who resisted Enough 
and loudly enough. We're, we're, we're calling upon other folks who wanted to be American or who just want to reform America or just who wanted to get white folks to understand us better and all that sort of stuff. And we're sort of spinning our wheels. Now, that's just my take. I ain't read that from nowhere that, you know, no one else can be quoted saying that. That's just this is Kamau talking. But I think it has some merit to it. I think we need to really look at those ancestors that we are calling upon, the, the national ancestors that we're calling upon, and maybe deliberately start calling on those who resisted. Because when you call upon the ancestors, they hear you and they come and they help. And that energy helps imbibe what you're doing and what you want to do. And if we're only calling on reformists, then that's probably what we're going to be stuck with. But if we start calling on resistance folks, maybe then we can move forward a bit out of the quagmire that we're going through. I see your hand up, caller. Give me one more minute. And then, so that was American Uprising by Daniel Rasmussen. And then at last show, we walked through uh, Maroon Societies, and we just focused on here in America. And I brought up the 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 the, the problem with 1619. When if you look, if you're coming from an African perspective, the first of us that probably got dropped off here during enslavement was in 1526. And I read that they, however, revolted <laughs> and hooked up with some quote unquote Native Americans in South Carolina and fled the plantation and ran off versus those first 20 that we just hear about for 1619 and how folks didn't want that maroonage legacy to be the first legacy of our enslavement in America. So they had to create that. Well, that was from the Spanish enslavers, and since America was a British colony, we ain't going to talk about 1526. We're just going to focus on 1619 because we properly enslaved them and you were a slave. No, that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, and then we, and then you know, I shared some other information about other um, it's, uh, maroon activities, um, successful and or non-successful, but we shared them just so we know that we fought. We fought. We fought. <laughs> Are we fighting now? Now we got seven minutes left, and I still had some more stuff that I wanted to say. Um, actually, no, 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 no. Caller, if if you still got a question, keep keep the hand up. I'm not going to just bring you in yet. I want to quickly, yeah, I'm going to quickly bring the, bring this topic up, and then probably after the break, not break. For anyone who want to continue this discussion, seven six zero four five four one 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 one. After. Um, we after the computer part drop off and it's just on the phone. I will continue with some some books that I got that I want to share with y'all and and y'all might want to get them into y'all library. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. Got six minutes left. I I, I got to share this um, news story that came across my my chair my table. An Indiana school district told a black teenager to perform the Star Spangled Banner in a quote-unquote traditional way after receiving complaints about her 
after receiving complaints about her performance is drawing questions now about whether the complaints and directive were racially motivated. Shy Warfield Cross, 16, has performed the national anthems at sporting events at, at Bloomington High School North over the last year without incident. But school officials said they received complaints about her performance during a game in Martinsville. Principal Jeff Henderson told the Herald Times in a statement that people had complained that while the words to the anthem were the same, the tune was unrecognizable. And and he says he denied he, he, he declined to comment. Some who complained after the game in Martinsville, a predominantly white community about thirty miles southwest of Indianapolis, also said they felt the rendition was disrespectful to current and former members of the military. Warfield Cross's family said athletics director Jen Hollers told the teen last Friday that she would not be allowed to sing the anthem unless she modified her version and sang in a more traditional way. Hollers also declined to comment How is declined to comment and referred questions to Henderson, who said school officials told them basically say the same thing, to sing it in a more traditional way, ensuring that the tune was recognizable. And and there's more to it, blah, blah, blah. But I apologize for doing it, but I want to <laughs> I want to play her rendition of what she's saying. You will never, ever, ever again hear the Star Spangled Banner on Africa's reascension, ever. But I just want to play it just so y'all can hear what the Martinsville all-white, nearly all-white community had a problem with.
want to apologize for playing that crap on this show, but I just wanted to <laughs> let y'all hear what this so-called controversy was about. Now, now, unfortunately, we all know this song. They inculcated it in our heads, all that sort of stuff. I didn't, I didn't see the issue. I didn't heard folks, folks take it way further out than what she did. Now, you know, my thing would be, why in the hell is black folks singing the Star Spangled Banner to begin with? And why are we teaching our kids to sing it? And, and why would we even want to sing You know, that's that's Africa's reascension issue. But, but I'm just like, really? So so you have to sing it, you know, with, with a pole up your butt <laughs> to not be creating controversy and all that sort of stuff. I just thought that was interesting. So, caller, please stay there. I will get you in immediately after. They're telling me i got a minute left. I'm going to play the outro for anyone that wants to continue and hear what these books are, you know, in live time, and maybe even chime in on them. 760-454-1111. The computer part will die out, and you'll just be able to listen on on the phone. Um, thanks to everyone. Next week will be an interesting week. We'll find out what the hell is going to go on. <laughs> with the time issue um, at 760-454-1111. As we usually do, a BB Fahodier, that's Total African Liberation, but then also Yabedi Inconim, we will be victorious. system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. All right. Yep. So the computer part has dropped off. So folks in the chat room, I don't think you have to hear me anymore. <laughs> so yeah, so let's go ahead and bring in this caller. Uh, thanks for being patient. Uh, 414-578. Please state your name and where you are calling from. This is Queenie Farmer calling from the hills of Kilwaukee. <laughs> How's it going, Queenie? The truth is up in the house. Patience, patience is a virtue, my dear brother. <laughs> I have learned to acquire that virtue these days. Oh, yeah, dealing with our people. <laughs> yes, indeed. But I did have a question, and mm-hmm. I questioned this a lot, and that because I was a uh, I had to step away from the computer to uh, let my guy out. But when I came back, you were talking about calling on spirits. I didn't hear the entire piece of the dialogue because I was downstairs. But, you know, I, I when it comes to calling on spirits and all those different things, I, I've come to realize that, you know, there are spirits that aren't so good for us as well 
And I was just wondering, I'm really, really selective when I go to calling on ancestors. I'm specific about the ancestors of whom I call upon, which are my ancestors, you know, ancestors that I know, which is why I kind of, and I don't know if I'm correct in doing this or not, I just kind of refrain from arbitrarily calling on ancestors, period. I generally try to stick to those that I know that had a positive influence because I, I forgot who I was having this conversation with before, and it kind of made sense to me is that we could be calling on uh, spirits that really aren't good for us, even though they may have a a revolutionary uh, spirit. You know, they lived, they were fighters, they were, you know, rebellious, rebellious against their oppressors. But, you know, who's to say how they actually live their lives? You know what I'm saying? Because that encompasses, right. to me, the whole human being. So simply because they, you know, they were were uh, fighters, that still, you know, I still can't really feel comfortable calling on that revolutionary spirit without calling on the total of who they were when they were alive. They might have been some rotten motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying? But right, just was right. fighting against, the, you know, just fighting against the oppressor. So I kind of kind of caution myself against just calling on ancestors. Like I said, I'm real specific on calling on those whose lives I know were exemplary, and they basically come from my own personal uh, family bloodline, if you want to call it a bloodline, direct bloodline, because I know the influence and I know the lives that they lived. So I was just wondering, you know, what did you think about that? No, no, no. That's that's actually a marvelous, <laughs> a marvelous point. Yeah, the, the the totality of what I said is we were we I think we call on some of the reformist type ancestors yeah. a bit much. We need to call on some of the revolutionary re- folks and those who resisted. But you also again remember I said I think you and me and other folks in the network we're a bit ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, what you're definitely talking about is within the mix. If if right. if we could just you know move folks to calling on some of the resistance folks to get their energy in the mix a little bit, you know that that can move us a little bit forward. And then as we learn more, then we could be like, okay, well that one didn't live so well, you know that one did this and this. And this. But you see, I'm saying it's in stages. But I definitely okay. see the point and agree with the point. Definitely right. So is it possible then that maybe we could just call on the revolutionary? Spirit, you know, like maybe we could just ask for the revolutionary spirit to, you know, resurge within ourselves without, mm-hmm. without, you know, taking on the, the, you know, how the person actually lives because we'll never know. But mm-hmm. you know, just what we do know of them from the writings that we glean from various books and pieces of history, that we perhaps can just go from there and not. Uh, I'm just wondering, is is that possible? Is that possible to be able to, uh, you know, even just through the writings, just recreate that spirit within ourselves, that same type of resolve that that individual had at that particular moment to to stand up to their oppressor and, and fight the oppressor without, you know, because like I said, we really don't know how they actually live. You know, they could be, uh, woman beaters or, you know, right, men right. bashers or, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. We never know. Mm-hmm. But we do know from the stories that they did have a, a 
a spirit of resistance. So maybe we should just, maybe I'm going to think for myself that perhaps if, well, you know, I think that those of us who do these shows, like you, myself, Brother Hola, Brother um, Asar, Sister Abinai, and, you know, a host of others who have that revolutionary spirit, that I call on your revolutionary spirit, you know, that to, mm. to assist me in my revolutionary uh, uh, dealings. You know what I'm saying? I say, oh, I think of Brother mm-hmm. Kamu and the things that he's doing and the things that he says, and I call on that spirit because that spirit is alive. It's you know, it's, it's not as though we have to, in my opinion, really uh, reach back. It's already here. And I think that each and every time we participate with one another and talk with one another, we're resurging that spirit. We're keeping that spirit of resistance alive. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I just I just wondered about, particularly in the aspect of calling on ancestors, I'm just real particular about just calling on these people that I don't know nothing about, you know, and I'm saying, okay, who are you? How did you live? You know, I mean, like, help suiting all them people back, you know, back in you know, who they pour all the libations for and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, how do how do we really know how these people were? I mean, they could be you, but I know what, you know. So I, I I have a tendency to call on my people because I don't call on all my damn relatives either in the bloodline because right. I know some rotten ass people in my family that's dead. All right, and they know where in the hell I want to reserve them back up in my right. personal life. You, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I kind of stick to the ones that I know that that kind of lived a decent life and were um, that love black people and 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 I, I saw them. Every day, and I know they, and some of them were Christians, even. You know what I'm saying? But okay. they were genuinely, genuinely good people. You know yeah. what I mean? So I call on those ancestors of mine to give me strength. And to be honest, they do come and assist me in various times when I need them. And it's not like they're talking to me like I'm talking to you. But all of a sudden, <laughs> a thought will come in my head, and they say. Their name will come in my head right away, and I know mm. they're, talking, they're, they're talking to me. You see what I'm That's saying? They're telling up. me what to do. Like, I'm going to give you an example, if I may. Uh, one sure, time sure. I was having a hard time sleeping, and um, I was tossing and turning, and I immediately, something in my head said, light a candle, and my grandmother's name, my great-grandmother's name came right behind that. It said, light a candle. The word said, light a candle. So I got up and I lit a candle and I laid back down and then the words with my grandmother's name, I'm telling you, my great grandmother's name, this is the truth, mm-hmm. said light some incense. And I got back up and I lit some incense. And after I did that, I laid back down and then the word said other end, which meant, and I took it for what to sleep on the other end of the bed, not the end that I normally sleep on. And after that, I was able to sleep. Seriously. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, it was so eerie. I was like, that's my ancestors talking to me and telling right, me what I right. need to do because I was in turmoil. I couldn't sleep, you know. And they, she came right to me and told me exactly what to do because it was some energy that I had to light a candle and burn an incense. I just did what I was told, you know. <laughs> and after that, seriously, I was able to sleep. And it's wonderful that you were clear enough to hear them, and and it's also good that you followed what they said. 
Because they, they always exactly. trying to talk to us. They always trying to talk to us and communicate with us. But are we yeah. clear enough to hear them? And then once right. they once we can hear them, do we then follow out what they say? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you know, I kind of call that the voice of God. I remember one time I was going, I was contemplating on leaving my husband, and he, you know, he was such an asshole for the past ten years, the last ten years of our marriage, and so I was sitting on the bed crying, right, and then the same, I thought it was the voice of God. I went to join the church after that, but a, oh, wow. but a voice said, "Why are you still sitting here?" And I got up. And I put some shit in the bag, and I just walked out the door, and I never went back. Wow. And it's been, it was a happy, I've been so happy ever since then, at such peace ever since then, but I've I listened to that voice, and I think that in itself is the voice of God that tells you and guides you and shows you the way to go. But if you're still enough, you can hear it. You listen to it, and you obey it because mm-hmm. it will lead you, it will not lead you wrong. It will never, right. don't question it, just do it, you know. Agreed. Your spirit will tell you it's right, you know, because you got some shit to come to you that ain't right, too. <laughs> so you got to have some discernment, <laughs> you know, you got to have some discernment, right. too, you know. Now, going back to the National Ancestors piece, I know I'm, I'm out here in D.C., and, and, and they, they have out here what they call inside the National Shrines of Africa in America, inside. And there have been some of our national heroes who, and again, I've been involved in for about 10, 11 years, so I, I think their work is legitimate and on point, where Mary McLeod Bethune, Marcus Garvey, Dr. King, their spirit has come back and shared information and words of wisdom with, you know, different different practitioners of of the systems. Um, at this particular place, and they even share, you know, some of the information in their journals. And so right. I'm I'm thinking that some of these folks who who you know we we hear about their righteousness, but we don't know too much about them. It's it's possible either you know actually going coming to D.C. and maybe talking to them and having them do it, or doing yeah. some type of ritual to actually try to converse with them in their spirit and see if we could get yeah. some of that other side information from them. I mean, again, right. for some folks listening, that sounds way, way out. But, you know, for folks, for African folks to deal with spirit, this conversation is par for the course. So, exactly. You know, tapping into, right. Yeah, right. Tapping into their energy. Well, I think that, I think there are African people who can channel, who can commune with the, with the spirit world. And uh, this it's another brother who called me on my birthday one day, and so I was telling him that I was smoking, you know, like smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And so right after he hung up the phone, it, it just seemed like I lost the desire to smoke, and I haven't since then. And I called oh, him, and I said, what did you do? I said, what did you do? He said, I didn't do anything. But, see, he's housed in the same place where the uh, physical remains of my great-grandmother is. And I think hmm. that because he calls on the spirits all the time, that my hmm. great-grandmother through him uh, helped me just lose the desire. And, I mean, I'm serious. I don't have the desire. So, wow. you know, I, I do believe that there are African people that are that can be channeled through to, to the hmm. spirit world. And they perhaps, like you said, can 
get in touch and see what type of lives these other people actually have lived and if they are even worthy of our calling on them to help us in these perilous times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, we're we're, we're talking, <laughs> we're ahead of our time, but 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 the work got to be done because you know we got to lay out the blueprint for those coming after us. So once yes. what we're doing now is caught up with the times, then folks. You know, ideally, it'll be calling on us in the libations. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's why we got to walk the walk. You know, we got to walk the walk and tell the story and, you know, right out be an exemplary uh, individual so that when they do call on us, that the total spirit of us is, is able to assist them. Hopefully, you know, I'm just thinking that, you know, if we do our job, they won't have to be calling on nobody. We can rest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, that would be nice, too. <laughs> you know, we can rest uh, and know that everything is okay now, you know. But it seems like we have to constantly call on our ancestors to give us assistance because we're in constant turmoil. You know what I'm saying? Just, I mean, it's just this, this constant barrage of negativity that we are basically fighting, like they say, this is going to be a battle of spirits. So, you know, our yeah. spirits going to have to prevail. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they will prevail. They will prevail, you know. Yeah, that that phrase that I just read, I was looking through my notes and I found it. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to I gotta use that, that shui phrase, um, yebede enkonim, we will be victorious. We, we got to keep putting that out there. Say it again. Why eat? I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, say it again. Yeah. Yebedi. Yebedi. Y-E-B-E-D-I-N-K-O-N-I-M. Okay. We will be victorious. That's that's um tweet. Okay. Yebedi in in, in, you see how they use the five tongues, man? I'm telling you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. You know, but, uh, I, I, you know, like I said, when it comes to learning a language, I think that it's important that you use it. And that's why mm-hmm. I had put in a chat room about Dr. York and his creating the, the Nawabian language, and they actually speak that uh that language amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think language is so important because it locks out other people who don't speak it and you can communicate and, and they don't know what you're talking about. That was the importance right. of taking our languages from us so mm-hmm. that they would know whatever we say, they'll know what we're talking about. Right, right. And I, I, I applaud you, though. I really do. Hey, I'm, I I'm, I'm trying. being persistent. Yeah, we got to be persistent. I mean, that's how it goes. You know, I'd have been on three damn shows today. I am running a fucking marathon. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> hey, remember, but like, like our listeners will say, it's like it's, it's these shows to help, you know, keep us going and move forward. And, that's you know, true. I listen to your show and her lips show and, 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 and it's like, whew, it, it helps. 
re-motivate and redo stuff because, again, I, I'm, I'm on the plantation like other folks and have to go through yeah. all that craziness. And so it's good exactly. to at least have one day. Yeah. So it's good to at least have one day. And you got to send me an ad, man. Send me an ad so I can run your ad on my show. Yeah, no, no, no problem, no problem. Yeah, Actually, that. I thought, do that. I, I thought whole I thought he had sent like a package of the stuff out, or maybe. No, nah, yeah, yours wasn't in there. Yours wasn't yeah. in my package. I don't think some of my dropped. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, I don't even know who these people are, and I don't. I haven't never went to some of their shows, but I didn't get yours because I would have definitely ran yours. You know, yours are size, high lips. You know what I'm saying? But the rest of them, I haven't really had an opportunity to go to their shows to listen to the content. You know what right, I mean? Once right. I go listen to the content, then I would propagandize it. But I don't propagandize shit I don't know. You know, we're kind of exactly. what talking over there. You know, you know what I mean? Because so, um, a few folks, I, I'm like you. I don't even friend folks. Like, I get a different friend messages. Make me a friend. Make me, I got to listen to your show first. And I've Hello. already said no to a few folks because there's some, <laughs> there's some yeah. shows out there. That's on I don't want to be associated with talk. Yeah, same, I mean, Facebook. Oh. I mean, I'm looking at who your friends are. You know what right. I'm saying? I'm like, who you be friending? You know what I'm saying? I don't uh. run in certain circles, so I'm real uh, exclusive. Mm-hmm you know, with who I sign on to, and I think that it's imperative that we do that. You know, sometimes we have to be exclusionary in because my mother taught me through the Jehovah Witness. I'm telling you, Jehovah Witness. And they said bad association spoils useful habits, and I definitely mm. believe that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I, I believe that. You know, you look at people's friends, you know, and you say you hang out with them. Well, then that says a lot about you. Right. You know right. what I mean? So, so just uh, what, if you get an opportunity, shoot shoot it to me or shoot me on somewhere I can send it. You can send it to her, and I'll give you my private. Well, it ain't private, but I'll give you my email address, and you can send it to me through an email, and I'll, I'll, I'll run it through my show. No problem. So I think you got a good good format. Thank you, thank you. And hold up, this send me your your new one. But I followed his lead, and I didn't pay for it, so we only got three files that we can play. Next week is going to be interesting. That's, I, I'm going to see how that works out. Because I was I really thinking about getting in in December and doing it, but I, I, I voted no just because I was I sort know. of like, yeah, I don't want to pay for it. But I don't I know. know. I know y'all did. I know y'all did. I was listening to Scotty. I was listening to all the, the, the dialogue about not paying and all that shit, but like I told the prince, divine prince, sometimes, you know, you got to bite the bullet and you got to pay for what you get because ain't nothing free. That's why they gave it to you free. That was the hook. And they knew damn well that time was going to come that your ass was going to have to pay for that shit. You know what I'm saying? And so when they gave them invites for the 29 bucks, I jumped on it. I said, I'm going to go for this because... What I think and what I say in the show I do, I think it's important. So if it's that mm-hmm. damn important to me, then I'll shell out 30 bucks. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Just to keep the momentum going. Because that's the whole idea is that they know that there are those who, who do blog talk shows that are very effective. And so they put that carrot out there and let us do these shows for two, three years and shit and get addicted to the shit. Then they snatch <laughs> the rug out from under you and say, well, now you only get 30 minutes a day, 
and you can only upload this amount of shit or whatever, and you can't do it prime time, and your shit is prime time. So my thing is, and I had even offered, I'm like, look, I got a whole week of shit to do, a whole week of shows, two hours a fucking day, and I only do a show on Sunday. Why Mm. is it that we can't, you know, each take a damn day and chip in to pay for the whole fucking thing? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's called collectivism. Right. Right. In my opinion. But nobody bit that bullet last year when I put that shit out there because I saw this coming. Mm. You know, and I was like, why don't we just pool our resources and everybody take a day? A two-hour, do a two-hour show a day and upload their shit, you know, and all of that. But, you know, people, I guess people want their own stuff with their own brand. I think that's the that's the whole issue right there because if you got one person who's the host, who's the main host, that's who the show's going to be under. You know what I'm saying? But I watched Nikki Love, and I watched how Nikki Love played that, where she had different people that did shows during, you know, under her productions at, at a particular time, but mm. it was they all did it under hers. You see what I'm saying? So Okay. And that's when it was free. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But it, it's the same concept. You know, it's called pooling fucking resources to beat the beast. Well, well, since you have went premium, we may have to um, relook at that option now. Yeah, you may have to. I mean, I got six uh, days that I don't do shit. You know what I'm saying? Six days. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if and I only pay thirty dollars shit, and we put five dollars a piece in the shit, we could pay for the shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, right. it ain't like I can't pay for it. I'm just saying it's an option for those of us who want to do a show. And may want to and, and have the will to want to do it on a day that I ain't doing mine. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we can we can have that discussion. You know what I mean? But I think it's imperative for us to to pool resources, not because we can't pay for it, but because it's a sign of protest, and we still do what we need to do. Right, right. You know, you know what I'm saying. So I don't know. We'll. Well, I guess we'll hash this shit out. Maybe by June, y'all might get y'all shit out. I don't know. <laughs> y'all figure it out. Y'all figure it out. I just uh, threw this shit out there. You know what I mean? Okay. It, it's not rocket science, Camus. That's what I'm saying. Right. It's not rocket science. You know, it's simple mathematics. And they're playing the game. And I guess I suggest that we play the game, too. Mm-hmm. That's That's all I'm saying. But anyway, bro, I'm getting sleepy. I got to go to the plantation in the morning. So. All right. Thank, thank you for, okay. for your input, and I will send you okay, that commercial. Brother. Okay, please do. Have All a right, good evening and a good week on the plantation, and stay stay strong. I know you're going to do that, and I'm going to do the same. And peace to everybody out there who may be listening to the archives of this show. I love each and every one of you and this brother in particular. So good night, everybody. Thank you. Good luck. Good night, Queenie. Okay, peace. Whew. All right. Yes, please check out the uh, Queenie Farmer, the Truth Terrace. I think uh, I have to look. I think her. Sh- I know her show is on Sundays. I want to say seven or eight or something. Uh, I'll find that out. 
and give y'all direct, give y'all specifics in a minute. So, yeah, so in these last 30-some-odd minutes we got of the full, the last full show, um, I just wanted to share, I've been going on a little book binge for the last month, maybe month and a half, getting some good information, some good books. And I just want to share a little bit of it. Um, I haven't, you know, fully read them. Like I said, I just got them. But I did at least want to share um, the titles, the book titles. Yeah, Queenie Fama's her shows are on Sundays as well um, at 7 o'clock. So she's got from 7 to 9. Um, she's a true terrorist. Uh now she's raw dog, y'all. You know, I, I just tend to cuss a little bit. So if if you can't deal with cussing <laughs> and, and and having African information given to you raw with no chaser, then you might not want to check out Queen. But if you don't have a problem with that and you actually may even like that approach, um, and you really like that approach, I mean, then you definitely want to hear what she has to say. Um, every Sundays from every Sunday from seven to nine, so it's like yeah, Queenie Farmer from seven to nine. Then you got Whole Lip from nine to eleven. Then you got me from eleven to one. So Sundays, well, Sundays used to be power packed. We'll <laughs> have to see how that changes um, next week. But we're still rolling with it. So one book that I got. That, that that grabbed my attention A, a friend of mine um, Mentioned it She had went to a talk And the brother was there And she was impressed with what the brother had to say And she told me about his book And I was like oh wow I didn't know about that So I went ahead and picked it up It's called Black Power in Bermuda The Struggle for Decognization By um, Keto Swan Q-U-I-T-O, and then Swan, S-W-A-N. And the back cover, a transnational pan-African phenomenon, Bermuda's black power movement sought self-determination for blacks from the island's white oligarchy and British colonialism. Emerging in the late 60s, it was spearheaded by by an activist whose Bermudian name I do not want to butcher, but his um, Americanized name was Roosevelt Brown. And it was spearheaded by the Black Beret Cadre, which maintained relationships with revolutionary organizations across the African diaspora, such as the Black Panther Party. In this important new study, Quito Swan explains how the movement grew during a time of political intensity, its rise coinciding with the assassination of Bermuda's um, British chief of police and governor, and it carefully details the colonial government's attempts to destroy the movement through military tactics, extensive propaganda, and the implementation of token social confession. And now this brother, um, Keto Swan, is actually here in D.C. He's assistant professor of history at Howard. Um, he teaches courses on the global Af- African diaspora. His primary research interests include international black cultural and political movements, 
Garvey and the UNIA, Black Power as an African Diaspora Phenomenon, and the Modern African Diaspora in South and Central America and the Caribbean. Um, and <clears throat> it escapes me exactly how much it costs, but um, it looks like once I do dig into it, it will be an interesting read. Again, there are parts of the world that we, you know, hear absolutely nothing about, and especially as far as uh, resistance struggles and and doing some similar things that we're doing over here or have done over here, we'll hear none about that. And so I think we need to hear more about that. And so Black Power in Bermuda, The Struggle for Decolonization, by Quito Swan, Q-U-I-T-O-S-W-A-N. That might be a book of interest you want to check out. <clears throat> Another one that I picked up recently, and now I was hoping that it was going to have some other stuff in it when I initially got it, but just as far as a reference book for the time period, I think it would be good for people. It's called Southern Slavery and the Law, 1619 to 1860 by Thomas Morris. And, you know, it's a University of North Carolina press book, so it's not a light book. It's, um, excuse me, 575 pages with at least about 100 pages of notes. But basically, he walks through, this This Zoe walks through um, each of the southern colonies during that time and walks through the different laws that were on the book during enslavement, how, how in the law we were seen as chattel, how in the law we were seen as realty, how, how um, in the law, Again, any time we we attempted to take an abuse case of 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 a temporary master to court, you know how of course we wouldn't get listened to. <laughs> um, civil rights of, of of enslaved population, things like that. Um, a whole chapter called again slaves as property. Another whole chapter, Slaves as Persons, um, and then he has a bit on manumission. But the bulk of the book, again, walks through the different laws that were on the books that kept and maintained chattel slavery all throughout the South. So it's not just, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Louisiana, it's the Kentucky, it's the entire South. So, So, again, if you... You know, if if you need more ammunition for folks who talk about slavery wasn't that bad, um, this book is, is copiously detailed and, and noted and everything with the different court cases and how what the law said as far as how we were perceived in the South during that time from. 18, excuse me, from 1619 to 1860. So Southern Law, I'll speak right in a minute, 
Southern Slavery and the Law, 1619 to 1860 by Thomas Morris. Now, the reason why I made my initial comment is because I wanted something that specifically went through um, the banning of our religious expressions. And, and it may be in the 500 pages, but it just didn't have like a full chapter or a full subsection dedicated to it. So it might be within the covers of the book. I just haven't dug it out yet in my, my you know, cursory first glance first glances of it, but that's what I was going into it and looking for. So since I didn't immediately see it, I still got to go back because it's part of um, some research, some ongoing research project that's eventually going to lead to a book, but I don't want to talk about it because it's, it's very, um, it's, 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 and it's, you know, very, very new, very, very beginning phases. And I think if I talk about stuff, too too early that puts bad bad omens on whatever but yeah but yeah so that's that book another book that I got a hold of and it's not even out yet it will be out in March it's called Race Ball How the Major Leagues Colonized the Black and Latin Games by Rob Ruck, R-U-C-K. But basically, you know, this book is going to be $29.95 when it comes out in hardback, and it's 288 pages. But basically it walks through how, um, well, part of the book walks through how Jackie Ruck, and see, it's it's good to hear somebody else say this, because for a while I thought I was the only one. I'm not a big proponent of Jackie Robinson. I, him him integrating um, Major League Baseball to me wasn't that that big of a deal. It was actually a step backwards for us. Um, and 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 this 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 Cogsoid author, I'm assuming, I'm pretty sure it's Cogsoid, um, basically says the same thing. When Jackie Robinson was the quote unquote successful in integrating the um you know, white folks MLB, that totally gutted the um Negro Leagues. Totally gutted it. Then everyone, you know, stopped playing for us and, and was like, Oh, okay, we can play in there now. It's integrated. Thanks, Jackie and then so all the owners and, and, and the, the the black owned and operated baseball league is now a throwback jersey and a throwback jacket and a throwback memory instead of a thriving um operation organization that could have been constantly employing um thousands and thousands of uh young men who want to pursue a sports dream. And and also Jackie Robinson in his letters um had some not too nice words for Malcolm X during during that time. And and again with the mentality of integration versus, you know, building up your skills to help build up something that was for us. 
um, that that sort of makes sense. And I don't have that book in front of me, uh, but but like some Jackie Robinson letters had just been published. Well, not just. I think it was like maybe a year, two years ago, and he had some correspondence, or he had some stuff to say about Bob Omawali and you know Malcolm X and you know basic Negro type of stuff. And so. Not not feeling him already for for basically single handedly gutting <laughs> and and destroying the livelihood of the um, Negro baseball league, but then also you know having having anti words of sentiment for one of our greatest warriors of of the 20th century Gregorian calendar. I'm not a big Jackie Robinson fan. But anyway, so race ball talks about that, but then it also talks about how, um, you know, now it seems like baseball is again pushing, you know, stolen Africans or quote-unquote African-Americans aside, and they're, you know, now jumping to um, Central and South America, you know, and and quote-unquote Dominican Republic or, or Haiti. To get their get their um, future stars, and not looking so much at quote unquote African Americans anymore. And so, so race ball, how the major leagues colonized the black and Latin game. That's basically what that book is talking about. It'll be out March first. You know, for folks who like the intersection of race and sports, there are folks who are talking about it. And this book will be out March first um, by Rob Ruck R U C K. It'll be about twenty six bucks hardcover when it comes out. Um, another book that I got a hold of when I did the talk for Daniel Rasmussen, African Uprising. There was um a a a friend, you know, got me off to the side after it was done, and she thanked me for a good talk, and then she introduced me. To uh, Miss Brother Alan Dixon, and he said, "You know, I heard your. I came here just to hear the talk, and then when I heard your intro, uh, I I felt like you. We we were of similar minds, and that you'd be able to appreciate this. And so, in the middle of the talk, you know, he went out, went to his car, um, picked up his book. He 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 had authored the book, and so he gave me a copy of it." And it's called Inner Civilization, Redeveloping Black Culture and Civilization in America by Alan Dixon. And I have gotten, it's, it's about 400-page book, yeah, about four, 425 pages. Um, I've gotten into a little bit of it. I'm in Chapter 2, Chapter 3 now. It's interesting. If you want to, uh, I'll continue in a minute. If you want to um, check out the book for yourself, um, the website is innercivilization.com, I-N-N-E-R-C-I-V-I-L-I-Z-A-T-I-O-N.com, Inner Civilization. Um, it's definitely a book for the pro-black audience. It's definitely a book for 
for mass black consumption in the sense that he focuses on us being, you know, African American. You know, us here, we don't deal with that, but this book deals with being African American. But the larger focus of it is we are different from white folks. We should not be looking to Caucasoids to um, take care of us, to supply us with existence. We need to look into who we are and use that to create an inner civilization, to redevelop black culture and civilization here in America. Um There are large parts of of the book that I've checked out so far that I agree with. I think, at least in my head, until I talk to the brother more, any parts that I may have issue with, I think it may just be because, you know, maybe the brother hasn't come across certain bits of information yet. And so, and so once we do start having you know, face-to-face dialogues, and I can share with him some more of that information, um, then some of the areas that, that I may have some quibbles and questions with will get smoothed over. But I mentioned in the book at least, if for no other reason than for the fact that he's at least trying to think out of the, the typical usual box of reforming America and we're Americans and all that sort of shit. He's not going there. He's talking about, you know, he's doing Martin Delaney, but on, basically saying the same thing using different words. Martin Delaney, a nation within a nation. Um, Alan Dixon, creating a civilization within a civilization. And so any, almost anybody, almost anybody that's talking about, you know, African nation building, I need to hear you, and I, I need to check out what you're talking about. And 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 you know any differences? Hopefully, we can sit down as 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 African men and women and discuss those and iron those out and work those out and you know add information here and tweak this and tweak that and go forward with what we're doing because there's so few folks of of our ilk talking nation building in the first place that you know all of them need to be heard. And then it's about, you know, getting them in a room together or getting them one-on-one, tweaking out some other stuff. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you know, you really got to sit and talk with folks and tease out some of their arguments and some of their thinking a bit further to really, really see where they are. And, And some of these shows have exposed quite a few people for not being who we thought in the beginning that they were because they said certain things and, you know, agreed with other things. And so I'm, 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 I don't, you know, know this brother. He just, he saw the lecture, heard what I had to say. He liked it and he gave me this book. And so I'm reading it and I'm really liking a lot of it. I just got a few questions, you know, about a few other things. And so I will be getting with this brother at some point and hopefully we'll be having um, continuous discussions. But for other folks, you know, you might want to check it out for yourself and, and, and might come to a whole different conclusion. 
Um, it's called Inner Civilization, I-N-N-E-R, Inner Civilization, Redeveloping Black Culture and Civilization in America by Alan Dixon. And the website is the book title, www.innercivilization.com. Let you check it out. The last two books I'm going to mention, <clears throat> I'm trying to see which one to go last. I'll use Say That for Last. I finally got a hold of this book, and I put it on the um, this, this show page because I know I finally talk about it today. I've been waiting for this book to come down in price for two years because I initially saw it for 20 bucks two years ago, and I was like, ain't nobody going to be tripping on this book. I can wait on it and get it, and then I went back again and $80. Hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars. I was like, damn. And so, you know, with Amazon I just kept it on there, uh, on on the wish list and I would check on it periodically and finally somebody else had it for I think twenty twenty three, something after with shipping and all that, and so I jumped on it then, so I finally do have a copy. Emperor Shaka the Great, a Zulu epic by Mazisi Kunin, Kunene, Mazisi Kunene. Now, I became familiar with him from his magnificent book, um, Anthem of the Decades, uh, which, again, he's a brother who, uh, he, he he's um, from, or was, he's an ancestor now, he just passed um, about two, three years ago, but he was, you know, born in, South Africa, I think in um, Lesotho, don't quote me on that. Um, and and he's fluent in Zulu. And so Anthem of the Decades was is a magnificent book that walks through the um the um Zulu creation story and different dynamics and, and that was just a lovely book. And so I you know, want to grab a hold of everything that he did and so I then saw that he Translated from Zulu and using the oral information of his culture, he has put together, um, I don't know if it's the definitive, but at least one very good insider understanding of Emperor Shaka. And so, it, again, it's very hard to get. Um, I think I just saw somebody else was asking fifty seven ninety for it. Um, but but if you want the a good inside information about um Shaka, this is the book to get. And I just wanted to <laughs> did I wanna Yeah. I just wanted to read a little bit of an exchange that Shaka had when the white folks came. Because what Shaka did is, you know, when, when the white folks came up to the shore, you know, everyone else was like, ah, kill him, kill him, kill him. And Shaka was like, nah, I guess that was the birth of keep your friends close but your enemies closer. He let them go ahead and set up camp, but he, you know, constantly had folks checking them out, watching them, seeing what they was doing. And, you know, strategically, you know, you can't 
fault them too much on that. You know, you want to see what they were about and, and, and see what they did and how they lived and stuff like that. So he kept around. And so one day he had him go ahead and come to the palace, and um, they had a little discussion. And, and again, there were some folks in Holip's chat room who were talking about what is African thought. Here, here's a little example of what African thought is. Uh, the king seemed embarrassed by these words. He made a joke to ease the serious mood. Let us drink and be happy and hear the stories of lands beyond our region. By these words, he attempted to suppress his own sadness. He said, tell me, you of the overseas nation, what do your wise men say about the beginnings of life? Do you live guarded by ancestral forefathers as we do? They itch with the opportunity to spell out their religion, each hoping this might win them a much-prized convert. Finn, quick to answer, said to the king, My lord, our religion covers many people. We worship only the all-powerful God of the heavens, he who sent his only son to teach and die for all nations. It is he who receives and answers all our prayers. Those who are good at heart go to his place of joy. Those who are evil burn in an eternal fire. By the guidance of his son and the sacrifice he made, we worship and love him as our Savior. Shaka pondered these words for some time and finally said, Our religions are much the same. We worship in Velikanji the creator of all things, you worship an almighty who is the creator of heaven and earth. Your creator and ours are one. They differ only in name. Your savior is no different from our ancestors. The ancestors who are the great spirit of our forefathers, is it is they who have bequeathed to us our great laws. By their sacrifice, they created for us a new world. Of this, we are trustees engaged the best for our children. The forefathers have made us noble by their deeds. In praise of them, we enhance their names by our own deeds. They indeed died for us to make a better world. Through their powerful love, they intervene on our behalf to the all-powerful creator. Yet the criminals and witches shall not burn in an eternal fire. Their death is sufficient punishment for them. How can they be punished after death? When their crimes were committed on our earth, is it not we who judge their acts? Is it not we who determine the punishment? How can Kanji confine his children to an eternal fire? Our God, Kanji forgives them for their crimes since all their deeds are committed in the ignorance of life on earth. Even I could not punish someone eternally. Your God seems harsh and cruel. If I condemn a man to die, I do not seek to perpetuate his pain. When I make him pay a fine, it is enough. A man condemned must not be treated like a wild animal, but must be sentenced and allowed to die a wholesome death. The strangers were puzzled by these comments. Gently they said, My Lord, we do not agree. A man is more valuable alive than dead. It is better he suffers in confinement and is able to set out again to a new life. 
Shaka shook his head, speaking deliberately. The life of a man is not of the body, but of the spirit. If he lives, he must stand up and recite the heroic poems of his family, knowing his deeds and those of his clan are admirable. There should be no one to remind him of his crime. He said, continuing to com- he said, continuing to comment on the religion of the pale race. It is clear each nation must appeal. Now I want y'all to hear this. It is clear each nation must appeal through its own ancestors. Should it abandon them and follow the customs of foreigners, it will soon succumb and be enslaved by them. It would lose the power to challenge its enemies. It is for this I praise the religion you hold, for it enshrines the demands of your nation. Promptly they sought to dispute these words. It is not so, my lord. Our religions come from nations other than ours. As we were enhanced by it, we sought to share its brotherhood with others. Shaka calmly answered and said, I hear you, but in truth, When you spread this religion, you include in it those who were your own ancestors. Without answering, they stared silently at each other. Shaka continued and said, the ancestors prefer their own children. When we prepare the weapons bequeathed to us by them, we call on their names and make such sacrifices as which befit their honor. After this, we choose our own destiny. Only when we fail do we turn to them. Each man trusts in the loyalty of his own family. When there is a war to be waged, it is the families that are summoned first. Thus, a nation appeals for success through the spirits of its families. It is called on for those who founded the nation. To them, the people sing the sacred hymns and ask for their assistance. From their inner life, the ancestors still listen to our prayers. Old generations relive through us their unfulfilled dreams. We, their children, inherit the gifts of their achievements. Those who come after us shall also inherit the gifts of our sacrifices. It is for this we must always enrich our heritage. Generations hereafter must say, here lie the great heroes who enhanced our nation. And then, you know, it goes on, it goes on, the white folks trying to, you know, get them to say some other stuff. But I think that's really, really important, again, going to the spiritual peace, Africa's reascension. It is what the Shaka say. It is clear each nation must appeal through its own ancestors. Should it abandon them and follow the customs of foreigners, it would soon succumb and be enslaved by them. It would lose the power to challenge its enemies. It would lose the it would lose it would lose the power to challenge its enemies. I, I hope y'all hear that. And you know, of course. That may have been a slight miscalculation on his part, on Shaka's part earlier, to say that these religions are the same. You know, just from that one little spiel, I guess, that the Cousinoids gave, you could quickly make that inference. But as as Shaka was even starting to see, as they dealt deeper into what their thing was, Shaka quickly saw that there was some major, major differences. 
And again, that's what I think we need to be constantly doing quickly more and more of digging deeper into what our African spirituality really is and and really actually looking especially at the history of Christianity. And and from my research and doing that, they are diametrically opposed. And I will definitely be doing more shows on that. So quickly before Blog Talk cuts me off, the last book, it's a magnificent book, uh, Professor Robert told me about this book and I did get it. It's by Fabio Rojas, From Black Power to Black Studies, How a Radical Social Movement Became an Academic Discipline. Um, this is from John Hopkins Press, so I think it's about 30 bucks. But this is a real good book. It's, you know, he's got statistics going, you know, showing the different places that got um, the black studies programs versus departments and um, what some of the what 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 um, protest interaction affects to get certain departments and disciplines into the schools, um, and he has a whole chapter dealing with the Ford Foundation's mission in Black Studies, and I think that's really really important to look at. There was a recent book that was that had dealt with that a little bit called White Power. White Money, Black Power uh, by a sister named Rooks, R-O-O-K-S. But this book is is a bit more detailed than that. This is about 300 pages, I think, close to 300. Hers was, you know, right under 200. I would say you could have them both, but this one is more detailed. One key thing that I caught 